Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. We are TJ Branson and Zachary Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. Your host for this evening. We are going to be ranking centers tonight. So, Woo! <laughs> yeah, time. you guys, you guys can uh, happening. get your hate mail ready because everybody loves to shit on a list. I do, too. I mean, if your list doesn't match up exactly to mine, I don't agree with it. So anyway, um, yeah, Desi's in the back. Uh, word of warning before we get into it. He's playing fire truck right now. So there's going to be a lot of uh, two year old sirens going off in the back. I can definitely attest to that. Yeah, it's been happening for a little bit now. All right, before we get into it, I want to bring up that we are still recruiting for our listener leagues. If you're looking for a league, man, we got you covered. We do categories. We do points. We do it all. All right, so let's dive right into it, man. Um, centers, our lists, as always, they differ a little bit. You have guys that I don't. I have guys that you don't. So with centers, we went a, a little deeper. Uh, next episode, we're going to be doing our winger rankings left and right, and we're going to go 10 deep. But with centers being so deep, we went 20. Who's you got at number 20? So at number 20, I have somebody that, well, isn't even on your list. That doesn't surprise me at all. He is on your honorable mentions, however, and that player is Jonathan Taze. So pretty much, he had 81 points last year, TJ. Is this just a reactionary thing? Am I just one of those reactionary people? He had a career high in shots. He did not, however, have a career high in shooting percentage. His shooting percentage was a 14.9. And over his lengthy career, he's at a 14.1. I like those odds. That's saying that he's right on par with whatever he's doing. If he can keep up the shots, then he's going to look pretty good, I have a feeling. I'm all about him at number 20. Now, I, I'm i not going to lie. I thought about having him in my honorable mentions as well, because there were some other people that I was looking to put on this list. I don't totally hate with who he's playing with and Brandon Saad and Dylan Sakura, who are not big shooters. Most of the shooting is going to be on Jonathan Tay's back. Uh, Brandon Saad certainly can score. I don't expect him to be like a 20-goal scorer or anything like that. But don't be surprised if he also gets some time with a Patrick Kane, if he also gets some time with an Alex Dabrinkit, on top of the fact that he will definitely get time with them on the power play. I just I don't see Jonathan Tay's in his age 31 season, continuing continuing this trend here. He hasn't scored anywhere near this since 2010-11. That's why I, I couldn't have put him in my top 20. Uh, we were talking so much about him in our regression episode that it was just so out of left field, him just piling on all these points out of nowhere. He went really under the radar. And when I started to like do my research here, I was like, what the fuck? He actually got 81 points. Just looking back, he... He's always been pretty healthy, never missing too much time. He missed 10 games back in 16-17, but had 58 points. Even if you pace that out, it's nowhere near 81. The closest he gets is back in 2010-11 when he had 76 points in 80 games. He, to me, he seems like a 55-65 point guy, and I don't okay, know. I mean, TJ, I mean, you're banking never, on a lot here. I never said he's going to score 81 points again. Right, yeah. I never said that. I said that he, if he keeps up with his shots and his average shooting percentage, that he has a chance to put some decent points up on the board, especially with his line mates, who he's going to be doing most of the shooting with. Yeah. However, I did say that he is the number 20 center. Yeah. I didn't say he's top 10. I didn't say he's top 15. No, I, I said I have him ranked as the 20th center. Did play a fuck ton of minutes. 21 minutes average time on ice. He's always great at face-offs. He's not going to do much in blocks and hits. 
Um, the power play did pretty well. He had 23, what, 20? Yeah, 23 power play points. I mean, that his stat line looks repeatable. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it. You know what I mean? I think he's going to be right. more. I think he's going to get 65 points. <laughs> I don't think that he, I certainly don't think that he's going to get 81. Never said that. Never will. But between 60 and 65, I think is incredibly attainable. And especially for your number 20 center, I'm fine with it. All right. My 20 is Logan Couture. So he had 70 points in 81 games last year, 18 power play points, 27 goals, 43 assists, had 18.36 average time on ice, and close to four minutes power play time on ice. That's probably going to stay pretty close to where it's going to be next year, too. I was looking at Pavelski's time on ice. He was the top-line center, obviously, and he he had 19.03. So you might get like 30 seconds more a game. Kuzur had 204 shots at a 13.2 shooting percentage. His average is 12.6. So... Everything here tells me that, you know, he could easily get another 70 points. And with Pavelski out of the picture, Kutur is going to be seeing those top-line points. And it also could be said that he's no longer going to be, quote-unquote, sheltered in a way, I guess, on the second line. His opponents are going to be tougher. He's going to be playing those top-line guys. He is the guy now in San Jose. And you were saying before we got on, somebody's got to score. And outside of Burns and Carlson, Kutur is going to be leaned on heavily for that kind of production. I only say that to get you riled up. I know, I know. Looking at his progression as a player, in 10 years as a pro hockey player, we've seen increase almost every year in his point production. He went down this past year in goals from his previous career high of 34, but made up for it with close to 20 more assists. And you go three years back, he had 52 points in 73 games. That's a 58-point pace. Then he had 61 and 78, which is good for a 64-point pace. And then this past year, 70 and 81 which would like pace him out for 71 points he, had he played that one extra game. He's going to give you decent peripherals. He's not exactly uh, hitting a block per game, but enough to kind of put him in the conversation. It's 0.67 hits per game and 0.81 blocks per game. So that's not bad. And with his increased role, I, I feel like, you know, at number 20, he's pretty good lock there. I know you have him. I have him just, a, I just had him a little bit higher. It's not like I had him way higher. But yeah, I mean, I had him just... All right, 19. Who do you got? I have another guy that you don't have at all. Surprise, surprise. He is in your honorable mentions, so I will say that. So at number 19, I have the speedy, fast-shooting William Carlson. Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Now, two seasons ago is the season he broke out. Vegas went to the Stanley Cup Finals. He had 43 goals, 35 assists, 78 points. Backed it up with 56 this past year. I think that he can get back up a little closer back in into the 60s. That's why I have him at number 19. I think that he is capable of being in the 60s. He definitely did regress from his 23 23%, 23% yeah. shooting percentage. Yeah. which we all know, which was wildly unsustainable. Now, the whole thing was he had scored those 78 points in 184 fucking shots. This this past year, at the 14.2% that he shot, which I think is incredibly like normal for, for someone of his caliber, 14% is, is just fine. The only thing is, he only took 169 shots. If he, if he has relied more to take more shots... Obviously, he's going to get those points. Do you think it's more the fact that now he's playing with Mark Stone 
he was always playing with Jonathan Marchessault, but now he's playing with Mark Stone, who is going to take a bevy of shots away from any player that he's playing with. Do you think that has something to play into it? Um, I'm a big fan of Mark Stone. Is that kind of tracking downward for William Carlson? No, and I think it's, I mean, that's only going to mean more assists. And looking two years back in his 24% shooting percentage year to this past year, his shooting percentage almost cut in half, and so did his goal total. And if you add those extra 20 goals, you got a 76-point player. So I think outside of the anomaly that he had with that 23.4 shooting percentage, more shots just means more goals. He's going to be having better line mates. Uh, He was playing, I think it was Riley Smith, before Mark Stone came into the picture. And I'm not going to say he's going to score 40 goals. I'm not going to say he's going to score 24 again. But yeah, I think a 30-goal, 35-assist season is well within reach, putting him in like the 65 to 70-point range. And what we expected happened is that shooting percentage dropped. I think if we went back and looked at our uh, our projections for, for William Carlson, it was pretty much spot on. Like we, I think we said 20 to 25 goals and like a... Pretty much a 60-point year. But, I mean, if you think about it this way, if he would take another 31 shots, if he would put, push that up to 200, you extrapolate that out, that's another four goals. You know what I mean? That puts him right at 60. That yeah. puts him right at 60 points. I'm mm-hmm. fine with William Carlson getting 60 points. I think that he will get plus 60 uh, with being on a line with Marcheseau and Stone for the entire year. He's also definitely going to be on that power play one. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm thinking a good thing. Uh, some good things will happen with William Carlson this year. Like I said, obviously, I don't have him too high. You didn't even have him on your list. But I think 19 is a perfectly fine spot for him. I wanted to get him in there, but obviously I want him to be low on my list. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, 19, I had Evgeny Kuznetsov. Another guy that I had a little bit higher, but I'm definitely yep. a big, but I'm definitely a big fan of this pick. Um, I think he's better than number 19. But go ahead. 72 points in 76 games, 23 power play points, 21 goals, 51 assists. Um, took 193 shots on goal at 10.9. His average is 11.3, so it's really not that far off um, from what we've grown to expect from Kuznetsov. I mean, he takes a little bit of a dip falling under the point-per-game expectation that we had going into this year. Um, he finally broke that barrier going into the, the Capital Stanley Cup year. He plays on one of the most lethal power plays, but he's more of a, a points-only guy. He's good for your offense, but hits and blocks, he's not going to be stuffing your sheet anywhere. You're going to get around a half block and a quarter hit per game. The PIMS are okay, um, 50 PIMS in 76 games, and that's not far off from who he's been these past three years. Um what I do like is that Jake Verana is going to take another step, and TJ Oshie is just going to be TJ Oshie. Um, that is if he's playing on the second line. If he's playing on the top line, you got Alex Ovechkin right there, and likely Tom Wilson, who, when he's healthy, when he's not suspended, is a pretty viable option there. I love me some Jakob Verana. I'm glad that you brought up his name. I haven't heard it in a while, and I, I, just, <laughs> I like it. So there's really no bad place for Kuznetsov to be, but obviously you want him to be on that top line which I think he will. Every once in a while, they shake things up. They put Backstrom back up. He is definitely going to be on that top power play, kind of like what we said with Carlson. No if ands, or buts about it. Like He's going to be that, that top power play, and it is lethal, just like you said. I had him higher, like, uh, like I said earlier, um, but I'm fine with him at least being, he's got to be in that top 20. 
Which is so odd because a couple of years ago we had Nicholas Backstrom so fucking high. Yeah. My my how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, I would think but so. But if you're not yeah. on if you're not on that top line playing with Ovechkin, whoever's on that top line, that's who I'm putting on this list. Kuznetsov, I think easily still still within the top twenty for me. He's a top center to have. Given how deep center is, if you go hard on other positions in your draft, don't worry if Kuznetsov is your best center. I mean, you're gonna have Good right wings, good left wings. And, you know, if Kuznetsov's your best center, that's really not a bad place to be. Well, and that's the whole thing about it, TJ, because, okay, so some leagues are just forward and defensemen, correct? Some leagues are left wing, right wing, centers. Centers are deep as fuck. You yeah. know what aren't? Right wings. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'll show you um, my team roster here. For our super, super deep draft. It's like a 26-team dynasty here. My right wing is brutal. My left wing is pretty good. My right wing is brutal. Uh, my best right wing is Andre Kasha. Ah, no, I guess it's Gustav Nyquist. You got Nick Suzuki, too. But I have him in my center slot. Um, my centers are... I still have one left to draft, and we're in round 23. So, I mean, but that's he, how deep center is. He definitely has right wing availability. <clears throat> yep, and he's going to be one of them. I got... Kasha, Nyquist, Sakura, and Rob Thomas as my right wings. It's Rob Thomas. Horrible. Yeah. But it just shows you, like, my, my top left wings are Arvidsson, Forsberg, Heinen, and Pacioretty. So, like, there's there's many more I left like wings it. to be had than there are right wings. So, you know, oh, if yeah, you go... Oh, yeah, right wings are hard to come by, man. If you go right wing right off the bat and get yourself, like, one of those top right wings and you come back and you wind up, like, it, it's weird to say, but if you wind up with a Kuznetsov, I mean, you're in a good spot. That's all I got on Koozie, so let's move on why to 18. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, why don't, why don't you tell me about your next pick? All right, I got Sean Couturier, who you have unranked. Um, Honorable so mentions. I'm going to read off his stats, and then I'll get into my main point here. Um, 76 points in 80 games. That's a 78-point pace, 17 power play points, 33 goals, 43 assists, 223 shots on goal at 14.8%. His career average is 11.2%. Since he's been on the top line, he seems to be able to shoot at a higher percentage. Um, these past two years have been like above his career average. So don't take too much credence in his career average. Uh, it seems like a 14.8 or thereabouts is going to be where he's going to be. This is Couture's second year of 76 points in two fewer games than, than his like breakout year. Now, where we saw decreases in Giroux, Ghost, Voracek, pretty much everybody, Coots was able to weather that storm. He's great in the face-off dot. He's at like 57% winning around like nine and a half face-offs a game. His blocks are three-quarters a game and his hits at exactly a half hit per game. Now, imagine if the Flyers bounce back. They have an entirely new coaching and management staff, a revamp power play that Chris Knobloch isn't running, and Elaine Vigneault can get everything out of his players. Coots could flirt with a point per game easily. But then again, it's Philly, so we could just as easily disappoint, crumble. But my confidence is high in Couturier. We're going to see another 75, 80-point season out of him. What I like is the fact that when we saw a 20-point dip in Giroux, when we saw a 20-point dip in Voracek, Ghost, everybody else suffered. Couturier did not. Um, I definitely see where you're coming from, TJ. I really do. Um, I like Couturier a lot. His usage is going to be high. 100%. Mm -hmm. He's going to be playing with Giroux and connecting on the right-hand side. If not, he may get some time with Voracek and Van Dream Van Riemsdyk at the at the like those are those are your least possibilities. Yeah, you know what I mean. 
That's worst case scenario. But I still think like I really don't see Kevin Hayes being our number one center. No, but I'm sure that I don't. I don't know. It's it's not like it was in the past where they're so willing to move people around so readily. I could see them giving it a chance and just seeing how it works. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, especially throughout Hayes. the game. I'm not saying it'll start out like that in the yeah. game, but throughout the game, you play with different players all the time. It's not like I you are specifically think, out with those three players all the fucking time. I think it's going to take a really big slump for them to move Couturier down, but it's very possible that they move Voracek up or they move uh, JVR up. But I, I don't see Giroux moving off that top line, but Konechny I think is going to be a rotating piece if there is a slump. There is a like a chance out of left field that Hayes gets that top line center. I mean, there is... That connection with Vigneault, I just I think it's so wildly unlikely. Well, they certainly paid him a lot of money, so <laughs> yeah. paid him like a first line center. He's pay, he's making more than Couturier. I think Couturier is like four and a half, four point three three three. So yes, he's getting paid more. Yeah, almost double. All right, so we're gonna come back to your eighteen as I have him ranked a little higher. Seventeen, I have Patrice Bergeron. In sixty five games, he put up seventy nine points. That's a one hundred point pace. 27 power play points, 32 goals, 47 assists, 205 shots on goal at 15.6%. His career average is 10.5. Wow, that point pace is it's pretty crazy. If if we could count on Bergeron to stay healthy, he would be easily within the like the Art Ross talks. Um in the last 9 years, Bergeron averages 76 games played for per year. In the last 2 years, Bergeron's missed 35 games. And while he does play on the best line in hockey, He's super potent when he's there and a goddamn burden when he's not. That's that's really the only bad thing I can say about Bergeron. He's unreliable. It's hard to project games played, so I'm not even going to try to do that. The same thing I said about Kuznetsov. If he's your best center, I wouldn't feel worried. Just make sure that you're going to draft another center that can fill the void while Bergeron is on the IR because he will be. My suggestion there would be to draft two centers back-to-back that way you have a close enough comparable to fill the void, and then you can just move everybody up and replace your bottom of the roster center from the waiver wire instead of looking for a number one center on the waiver wire, which you're not going to find. Yeah. Um, other um, than that, that's actually a, that's actually a really that's actually a really smart comment, TJ. Thank you, man. I I I think that. <laughs> okay. I do. Um, other than that, he is super stellar. He's over three shots a game, almost a full block per game. Uh, 60 blocks in 65 games played, 43 hits in, in 65 games, and he's one of the top face-off guys out there. Um, the plus-minus is always monstrous. I mean, they're one of the best defensive lines in hockey. So if you're in a plus-minus, uh, he's one of the good guys to have. Oh, well, he's one of the best defensive forwards there is in the whole fucking game. I mean, yeah. that's, that's For his like five years straight. Yeah, that's his 200-foot trophy. You know what I mean? For so, five years straight, it should have been the Bergeron trophy, not the Selkie. Um, so for all those reasons that you just talked about, kind of makes me say to myself, uh, maybe I wanted, maybe I feel a little more vindicated for having him higher than you do. A good bit higher. Yeah, uh, I had him all the way up at number twelve. That's the only I, reason I moved him down is just because he's because giving me those. Health. Yeah, he's giving me those Malkin vibes, man. However, like you had already said, he plays with two of the best teammates or not well two of the best line mates that he possibly could he's playing with marshan and pasta all the time he is a staple on that first line power play the one thing that i am worried about is that shooting percentage which was the full five percent over his career average at a 15.6 as opposed to a 10.5 
he was over 200 shots, which he usually always is. Hell, a couple of years ago, he was up over 300 shots. Four years ago, he was at 282. So you know that he's more than willing to throw shots on net. Like He, he, he will paced shoot. out for 259 shots on goal in yeah. his 82-game pace. He will shoot. So that's one thing you can always count on. Um, so shots on goal, Patrice Bergeron, he's going to help you with hits. He's going to help you with blocks. Not a ton. Yeah, but he is going to get some, I'll and he it. is a killer on faceoffs. For so for your category leagues, Patrice Bergeron is a fucking monster. You just want to see him out there more, and I get why you had him down where you have him. But when that man's on the ice, he's fucking gold. Um, so that's why I have him a little higher than you do. Yep, and I I, I can accept that. I'm all right with it. Okay, uh, so moving on to my number seventeen, yes, which is. Sean Monahan. Now, we had talked about him last episode with regressions, but we also put on the disclaimer, and, and I, I was the one that said it, and I stick by it. Out of everybody on that team, I feel like he's somebody that can keep up with what he has done last year. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get 82 points. I'm not saying he's going to get 80 plus, but I think that he is more than likely going to get 70 plus. So along with being with Johnny Goudreau and Elias Lindholm, he's still going to get all that exposure to these two very good players. He is also going to be an automatic on the first power play. Last year, he had some pretty fucking decent power play numbers. He had 12 goals on the power play and 11 power play assists. Yeah, I, I like that. That's tw that's 23 fucking points just on power play. Let me just real quick say something. I think the only person on either of our lists that is on the second power play has got to be Sean Couturier. I think everybody else is a top power play guy, which which obviously is a huge help. Like, you can't... Well, that's, that's never why a bad you have thing. him in the top 20. Maybe a little bit of a spoiler alert. Who knows? Okay, so as I was saying... I think that he can definitely keep up with more of like a 70-point pace, which would be, let's say, 25 goals and still around 45 assists. Does that sound sound feasible to you? Yeah, I think 75 is easily doable. I think, yeah, we, what we had said was if anybody's going to repeat the same numbers, it's going to be Sean Monahan. So the big question mark here has got to be, uh, Lindholm, whether or not he can keep going with what he had. Uh, Giordano, obviously, is going to be a big question mark there. Um, we have him projected for, like, I think it's like 15 to 25 points less next year from a 72 points. So that's a lot more points that are dipping down. So I don't know where he's going to find all of this, but I think, I mean, easily enough, he can make it happen. Uh, just looking at his numbers, he's he's been pretty steady. I mean, 64 to 82 is quite a jump, but... What took the big jump was his assist total, and maybe you can put that on Lindholm instead of like a Sam Bennett or going back even further, Christopher Stieg or just whoever that random winger was. Having Lindholm, somebody that fits the role of a top-line guy. I mean, Michael can... Froelich. Yeah, or Michael Froelich. Jeez, like even the Calgary Flames <laughs> are trying to get rid of him. So you finally have somebody that fits that piece. That 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 can really bode well for everybody. I'm cool with him. He was he was definitely in my honorable mentions. If I had to rank him, I think he was like 21 for me. Yeah, we we we'll get to the honorable mentions down at the end. Uh, my 16 and 15 are two two guys that you did not have ranked. I'm more excited about my 16 than I am my 15. I just think uh, that's 15, weird. 15 has a little more upside. 
And I'll explain. So 16, I have Dylan Larkin. 15, I have Mika Zibanejad. Dylan Larkin, 73 points in 76 games, which is good for a 79-point pace. He had 15 power play points, 32 goals, 41 assists, and 287 shots at 11.1. His career average is 9.6. So that's not big enough a jump for me to to be thinking anything you know out of the ordinary considering he had a really, really down year last year at 6.9. The reason I like Zibanejad better, Artemi Panarin versus Anthony Mantha. Um, potentially Capo Caco versus Tyler Bertuzzi. You, you just have better line mates. But what I really do like about Dylan Larkin, I think his ceiling is the highest out of anybody on this list to improve from what he did this year. If anybody is going to be further up this list by the end of the year, it's definitely Larkin. I'm super fucking high on this guy. His shot production is elite, almost four a game. I had to do the math twice, and when I was doing the math, I was like, what? 3.78 shots per fucking game? His face-offs are over 50%. He's over a hit per game. Blocks are at half a game. The power play needs some help, and if he's your best player. It, you really need that stacked top unit, and last year they were spreading the wealth a little bit, uh, what little wealth they did have. So, I mean, stack that top unit. Get this guy more than 15 power play points. I think we're looking at an 80, 85 point Dylan Larkin here. Um, I, I'm on top of it, man. I am high on Dylan Larkin. He paced out can for I, 79 can points. Take, can I take the under, please? Can I please take the under? Larkin please. is on a strong upward trajectory here. 32 points when he was playing 16 minutes a night. Then he went up to 1951, had 63 points in 82 games, and then had 73 in 76 so he's playing a fuck ton of minutes almost 22 minutes per night that's like barkov numbers right now um larkin is the only one on this list that i'm willing to reach for in a draft everybody else i think is you know right where they should be as far as adps they're pretty early right now but you're gonna reach for larkin i am gonna reach uh he's rich he's keeper so uh, he's you know out of reach for me but if i was in a league where you know, starting from scratch and stuff, um, I would go for Larkin. I think it's a really smart idea that Richie is keeping Larkin. All right, Mika Zibanejad. You're calling Richie a smart, Richie a smart man. I know, right? right? So, one, one quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One quick. Yeah, right on me. Okay. So, Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin. So, you'd rather have Dylan Larkin. I'm surprised Larkin. he didn't even make your list, man. He, he was on my honorable mentions, but I really, uh, there wasn't like... I wasn't even thinking about having him on my list. I'd rather have all of the people on my list. I would um, rather have Dylan Larkin than Sean Monahan. So you would rather have Dylan Larkin rather than Patrice Bergeron? Yes. You would rather have Dylan Larkin than Evgeny Kuznetsov? That one's closer. That one's closer than Bergeron, I think. Even though I have, like, my rankings are fucked already, you know? Like, I just feel like. Um, 82 games out of Kuznetsov is worth more uh, than a point and a half per game pace out of, you know, 60 games from Bergeron. I don't hate Dylan Larkin. It's not like I'm going to send him fucking hate mail or anything like that. Um, I guess I just don't see what you're seeing. Don't get me wrong. I love Tyler Bertuzzi, who he's going to be playing with. I like Anthony Manta, who he's going to be playing with. Nobody else is going to be on that team that could possibly kick him off the first fucking line or the first power play. So at least he's got that going for him. But he has a trash shooting percentage. He has to take a ton of fucking shots in in order to have the points that he does, TJ. 
What happens if he only takes 220 shots? Well, what happens if he if you know what I mean? That that's that's my thought. What what if he's not taking 287 goddamn shots? No, nah, man, I think going into his 23 year old season, you know, entering peak, you know, where you're supposed to be at your best, I think Larkin is easily going to hit 80 points next year. Easy. And I'm going to try and get him from Richie, but Richie hates trading from me. So it's not going to happen. I want well, Larkin. Richie hates trading with you for a damn good reason. I never gave him a bad reason to. I think the because, only reason is because he traded, what was it, Jordan Schmaltz for Duncan Keith back when Keith was good, like two or three years ago, but he added in an eighth of weed. Probably Nick Schmaltz. It was like, it was Jaden Schwartz and an eighth of weed for, for Duncan Keith going right into the playoffs. Well, I don't condone, I don't condone any of that bullshit, yeah. number one. Your trades are hockey trades, and that's it. You don't, <laughs> you don't involve, and you don't involve anything other than hockey stuff. You know what I mean? That's that's just it. But he doesn't like trading with you because he knows that you're trying to trade this person for a reason, and you're always trying to fleece people. Let's be honest. It's you true. are trying to fleece the fuck out of people. You're like, yeah. hey, I'll give you this. Uh, not so great player for this really good guy. That what you I like really doing. What I like about. doing is two for ones. I love. Yeah. Doing so two okay. So let me let me take two guys off your off your team that you don't really want that I don't really want. But no, I like giving up two players for one. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. You're oh. trying to give me two crappy players for one really good player. No, no. That's why. Well, that's definitely why you and I can never make trades. It has. It's. I think it's literally happened one time. One time, JT Miller for Alexander Radulov. Yeah. When Radulov was still on the Canadians. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> All right. Let me get to Mika Zibanejad. The reason I have him above like Dylan Larkin. The I only like reason him. I have him above Dylan Larkin is because he's on a better line. He's got Panarin. Zibanejad broke out last year in a big way. He blew. Previous career high out of the water. He's great for hits. He had 134 hits last year. He's always pretty hefty in that category. His blocks aren't bad. He had 66 blocks in 82 games. Face-off right around 50%. And he's getting great time on ice as he's getting comfortable with his top-line center spot. Now enter Artemi Panarin. Here we go. One of the reasons I have him on this list for me. I have to imagine that his totals are going to get a pretty decent bump here with someone... Panarin's caliber, both on the power play and at even strength. I see it as close to Couturier's breakout. Um, he gets the exposure. He gets the points. I can't see that since the Rangers only got better this offseason, that it's going to do anything but help projections. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Whatever you're putting at his points, I'll take the over. I don't really have a projection. Um, I put him 75 to 80 rather than 70 to 75. I mean, he's playing with Panarin, which... We've seen in the past, and it's like we actually have a good amount of stock in that. Every time someone pay, plays with Panarin, their numbers boost up significantly. Yeah. He had 74 points last year playing with, uh, well, Chris Kreider was like yeah. an automatic, but he was playing with all Pavel sorts of random. Yeah, Buchnevich, who he's still going to be playing with. Yes, for fast and like just a whole, just a a conglomerate of right wingers. So let's put, you know what I mean? let's put his 74 points this year as his floor. 
because he is not going to do worse this year. The I only thing that, that's going to stunt his totals true. is if he doesn't play a full season. But he has he has been um, pretty damn healthy throughout his career. Not super healthy, but um, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, he he missed quite a few games. I think but he broke his av- leg or something. Yeah, but on average, he has played seventy plus games, if not eighty, eighty one, or all yeah. eighty two. I, I think I'm it's safe to put this year. Safe to put his career high in points as a floor. So 74-point floor. Um, I think chances are you could get Sabanishad at a pretty cheap rate, to be honest with you. Because I don't know if uh, he is on a lot of people's radar as high as he should be. Uh, but I think you could probably get him decently cheap. All right. Uh, I took two here. Who do you got at 16? Well, at 16, we had already talked about my player, and that was Logan Couture. Um who you had all the way back at number 20, I believe. And you're 15. I like it. I like his exposure. Logan. Yeah. I like when he gets exposed. Ew. Who is your 15? I think you got, you got Malkin who Evgeny I have at Malkin. 14. Yeah. Evgeny Malkin. So we're actually pretty close on this one. And I mean, everybody knows exactly what we think about Evgeny Malkin, what it is that is going to be the determining factor on whether or not he's going to have a good season. Is he going to fucking play? Yeah, game's played. Um, Easy enough. But he is going to be playing with Alex Galchenyuk, who is a boost of who he was playing with last year, and either Patrick Hornquist or Dominic Cahoon. I think he'll be playing with a little bit of both. Now, um, hold on. Hold on. I want to comment on that. You say Galchenyuk is a upgrade from Kessel? Well, wasn't Kessel on the right-hand side? Okay, so Cahoon is going to take take that spot, Ka- I guess. Cahoon is taking Kessel's spot. All right. Or, or Patrick Hornquist. I'm, All right, pretty so, sure, I'm pretty sure Kessel was on the right side. Because you had me confused. You said Galchenyuk is um, an upgrade as to whoever he was playing with. Now, I guess that just means on the left wing. Yeah, it was just a bunch of randos. All right, all right. Um, I'm pretty yeah, like sure Dominic last Simone year, first. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Simone for a little bit, but it was also, uh, fuck, who'd they trade away? Um, Strong? Yeah, Daniel Strong did play on that left side, left-hand side a little bit. But yeah, just in general. So the not playing with Kessel is a downgrade. I get that. But Galchenyuk and Hornquist or Galchenyuk and Cahoon are solid players. I'm fine with that. Now... He is going to be looked to on that line to really drive the play. Now, we know that he can do it. He has done it in the past, but he is really going to be looked at to lead that line. It yeah. can't be Kessel helping you out. It is really going to have to be Evgeny Malkin's line 100 fucking percent. His numbers did dip down a little bit last year when it came to shots, when it came to shooting percentage. I think that'll definitely go up because, like we said, his usage is going to be higher, especially with those line mates that he has and not having Kessel. As far as games that he plays, he, he just never, he does never play a lot of games. That's our problem with Evgeny Malkin. Is he yeah. going to play or not? Especially towards the end of the season, he oftentimes does not play. So you always have to think about that. Uh, we've talked about this last year. If I if I draft Evgeny Malkin, chances are I'm going to try to move him in March. Yeah, for sure. Right before the trade deadline. Yeah, because... I'm going to try to move him before the trade deadline because chances are he's number one. He's going to, someone's going to give something good up for Evgeny Malkin. Okay. Number two, he is a keeper style prospect. 
Yeah, if you're you in that, talk, you could talk. You could talk somebody into having him as their keeper, especially if they have more than one keeper. Um, so he is worth keeping on your team. So that way you can say, hey, this is a long-term investment. And you can get that off. You, you can't get that thing kind of, uh, off the waiver. Um, so it all comes down to how many games is he going to play? Yeah. And chances are he's not going to have the 98 points that he had last year or the 100-plus points that he had in seasons when he was younger. But if he has between 75 and 80 points, I'm not surprised. It's just going to come down to how many shots he takes. Yeah, he's always a over a point guy. Which makes a wild amount of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. He came off a 42-goal year at 17.6, and that dropped to 21 goals. He only had an 11.2 shooting percentage this year. Um, and that's after two years of shooting over 16.5. His shooting percentage dropped a lot. His shot production dropped a lot. Uh, the power play took a hit as far as Malcolm was concerned. he's He was coming off a 38 power play point year, and that dropped down to 26. It's still pretty good, but it's a big dip from that 38-point year. And like we were saying, Galchenyuk is a downgrade from Kessel on paper, but we don't know what Galchenyuk's going to do as a Penguin. But I, th- I think if Malkin's like underlying numbers even out, we're going to see another Malkin-type year. Pims are great. The hits and blocks are you know kind of mad, but it's not you know Johnny Gaudreau terrible. He's not winning a Bing anytime soon, and he's not carrying a category for you. You should expect a point per game or better season out of a guy. Just the normal word of caution with Evgeny Malkin. We've said it how many times just now? You know, he he's not the healthiest guy. Yeah, I like him at 15 where I had him. You had him at 14. Yeah, it's I'm not perfectly too far fine off. with that. I think we are right on par with where we think he's going to be. As far as my 14, we already talked about him, which was Evgeny Kuznetsov. Who did you have at 14? Oh, that's right. You had Yeah, Malkin. I'm, yep. I'm an idiot. I just said that. So coming Do you want to up, lead off the 13? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about 13. So coming up on 13 is somebody that you definitely had higher. Um, yep. And for the same reason that people dropped on your list, he certainly dropped on mine. Hell, I, I've said in other episodes, I traded for him last year. I think he's a great player when he's on the ice. He's a point point per game player when he's on the ice his name is jack eichel he is a really good player but i had him at 13 because he gets hurt often he only missed five games this year which isn't bad but oftentimes miss misses at least 15 to 20 games in the past two seasons prior to that where he had ankle problems he missed a large amount of time he also is somebody who thrives on just taking a lot of shots. He will help you with the category of shots on goal because this guy has never taken less than 238 shots in his career for a season. Even when he was only playing 60 games. (laughs) Yeah, 246. Yeah, the season he played his least amount of games at 61, he took 249 fucking shots, TJ. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But you know what that does? He has a horrible shooting percentage. His career average is below 10%. Yeah, and he seems like the type of guy that should be, you know, in that elite category, like 12 plus. That's what I'm saying. You would think he would be. When you think of Jack Eichel, you think of somebody who is just fantastic, who, who should be one of those top tier players. But because his inaccuracy and his just willingness to shoot when the fuck ever, 
on top of the fact that he does get hurt, it definitely brings him down a little bit on my list. You have him way higher. I have, him at, I have him at 13. I, that's what I'm saying. You have him top 10. I think yeah. top 10 is a hard place to be. Here, I'll, I'll give my spiel on him. Um, 26 power play points, 28 goals, 54 assists. And it was the assists. So his goals have been pretty steady. 24, 24, 25, 28. You put somebody like Skinner on his line. I was going to say, so what you're saying is 40 goals. Skinner is going to continue to, no, to light maybe it up? Not. Maybe not, but he's still worth like 35 goals easy. So I think that we're going to get easily another 85-point season out of the guy, you know, barring any injuries. But we finally got that point-per-game season out of Eichel. He upgraded to Skinner this year. Eichel's going to be sporting another above point-per-game season, and I think, you know, I hope he can stay healthy. The face-offs need some work. He's never been above 50%, and he's going to throw up some hits and blocks. He was 70 hits in 77 games, 51 blocks. I think Eichel is the type that's just going to keep growing. He, It seems like he was born with a chip on his shoulder, and that's that's not going away, so he's going he's gonna to be better this year. So I want to I want everybody to remember what Zach is saying about Jack Eichel. Just just keep it in the back of your mind. Zach, you too. My I remember your... I remember everything I say, TJ. It's up here <laughs> it's up here in the lockbox and it ain't going nowhere. It's like Woody. We And then don't don't get everything. mad at me. Don't get mad at me when I trade for him again and you get all pissed off like you always do every time anybody trades me anywhere. Or yeah, anyone. I hate when your team gets better. I don't like it. <laughs> so at 13, you, I had... You get so fucking pissed. I had Mark Shifley, um, who you had uh, two places higher at 11. Yeah, I'm fine uh, with him at 13. 13, 11, 12, all, yeah. all fine with me. So with Shifley, you had 84 points in 82 games, 23 power play points, 38 goals, 46 assists, 999 shots, which was nice to see. We finally got some, some shot production out of the guy. At 19.1%, his career average is 15.7. So this is his third year in a row that I kind of want to scream that his shooting percentage so got, should go down. But it's also the third year in a row where it, that hasn't happened. It just happened. keeps happening. It dropped from 20 three years ago, but it dropped to 18.4. And then it went a tick up to 19.1. So maybe this is who he is. And it may be not huge, but it could drop again. It's going to stay around that area. We got a good shot production year out of Shifley. Um, I want that to keep up. He shot a ton more than he did the year prior when he put up uh, 60 points in 60 games. His hits and blocks are a bit over half a game. Pims are there, but that's about it, uh, about a half pim per game. But um, I feel like we just know what Shifley is going to be. He's going to be around a point per game with 175 to 200 shots on goal. I don't see a close to 40-goal season coming again like he had this year with 38, but it could easily be 30, 35. He might be overshadowed a little bit. You might be able to sneak him in right around your fourth or fifth round, depending on your league size. So I really like Mark Shifley there. Can I skip real quick to my number 12? Yeah, that's fine. All right. So remember what I was saying no, about no, Jack no, Eichel? No, 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 I, no. We're yeah. going to wait. No, we're nope. waiting. Nope, no, we're not going to do gonna, it. Austin we're Matthews. Wait. We're going to wait until I, get to, uh, till I get to him. No, Austin Matthews. I have that's him not fair. number be, 12. You, you are not allowed to talk about Austin Matthews. You are not allowed to say his name. All right, he had. Uh, I'll just call him. I'll call sir, him. You have, he call him must not be named. you have to call him, sir. All right, so 73 points in 68 games. That's an 88 point pace. 20 power play points, 37 goals, 36 assists, 251 shots on goal at 14.7. His career average was actually higher than that at 15.5. 
Yeah, he was on pace, on pace for 303 shots, and I feel like this is something we're going to keep saying over and over and over again for the rest of his career, on pace for, on pace for, because I don't think he's going to put together another fully healthy season the same way you think about Jack Eichel. I know everybody's going to be thinking, oh, Austin Matthews at 12, what the fuck, right? No. After his Jack 82 Eichel game... And, you want Jack Eichel on your team instead of fucking Austin Matthews? Let me finish. So after his 82 games note. played rookie season he backed that up with a 62 games played season and then spiked that up to a 68 game played zach you're always bringing up eichel as injury prone why not austin matthews because you got like a weird man crush on the guy because he's handsome prone (laughs) and i'm sure all the toronto listeners are going to shit on me for it but yeah this is where i have matthews and 12 is not a bad spot 88 point pace i want to see a healthy season out of the guy he could very easily be a 100 point player so when he gets healthy the same reason I knocked Bergeron down. The same reason I knocked Malkin down. The same reason two years ago we knocked Eichel down. Stay healthy, and you're going to go up in the ranks. All right, now I'm going to stroke his eagle a little bit. 3.7 shots per game. Solid shooting percentage. His face-offs are looking good. Pims are down. Hits are meh. Blocks, however, are almost a block per game. He's going to be over a point per game. It's just how many games is he going to be around to get a point in. It's really good at face-offs, too. That's that what, yeah, I, I put that in there. This upsets me because I'm the one that's supposed to talk about Austin Matthews. You're so I hope you have an IR spot. Yeah. And then we're going to get, oh, well, who you have at number eight? Yeah, I have Austin fucking Matthews at number eight. Let's just yeah. skip to the top ten. This is bullshit. <laughs> okay. All right, I want to hear your Matthews stuff. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you sell me on him, which is a weird thing to say. Boost my confidence a little bit. Well, you said all his stats. His usage is fantastic. He is out there all the time on the power play. I think that he can definitely boost that 73 points. I think he can be over an 80-point player. I think that he is top 10 material. That's just it. You don't have him in your top 10. You have him just outside, don't get me wrong. But, like, I have him at number 8. I think that he is a top 10 talent. I really do. Now, I have a lot of good players in front of him. It's not like I put him at number 4 or number 3. I didn't get too fucking crazy with it. I had him at number 8. I think that's perfectly fine. Just want to see him healthy, man. He, so do I. He's actually he's missed. So do I. You think I don't want to see him healthy? He very I well could be. I have him on my be. team every fucking year. I traded for him the first year he got into the league. I traded for him like right away. Got him. Got him from Richie. Paid a paid a pretty hefty price for him, and I've kept him on my team ever since. He will be on nobody else's team forever. Yeah. So he's missed thirty four games in his career. So maybe he just lets that ride because he loves the number thirty four. And, you know, it goes on an Ironman streak. He's just going to play 82 every... Don't, for yeah, the rest of his career. Like, I want to see him healthy, too. Yeah. I really do. If, you he, know, if me wrong. he stays don't healthy, he is going to light it the fuck up. He's still a lock for the top few rounds. And I've said it with Bergeron. I've said it with Malkin. I just I feel like I have to urge that caution. That's, That's fine. I just still think he's a top 10 talent. All right. Who did you have at 12? At number 12, I had Paris... Patrice Bergeron, which we've already talked about. You're right. Um, at, at number 11, Shifley. I had Shifley, which we already talked about. Yeah. My number 11, your number 10, Ryan O'Reilly. I'm fine with that. Uh, I think we're I think we're right on par for that one. Uh, we're both at the same spot. As far as Ryan O'Reilly goes, I think that he is a top 10 talent or right outside of it. However, like we've already spoken about, people are going to remember what he did. 
people are going to stretch on him, and I don't think that he is going to bolster a top three pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, top th- yeah, top sure. three rounds. I think um, he's I think he's more of a fourth or fifth round guy. So do you um, think at, it's at more? Best. Do you think it's reactionary because he's always been like a sixty point at best kind of guy, and now you I know you put him in a better place. You put him in a better place, and now he puts up his first really elite fantasy season. Um, I feel like now he's definitely got that point per game upside, and all it took was getting shipped out of Buffalo. Now it is his first season there. It's kind of why, like, I put more um, stock into it is because you're not in Buffalo, so. I think this is who Ryan O'Reilly is now. Almost three shots a game. His faceoffs, if I'm not mistaken, he's like top three. Maybe he has the best faceoffs in the in the league. Um, his hits and blocks are barely there, but Ryan O'Reilly's going to give you the other stuff, the power play points, the shots. I mean, the guy's always up for the bing, so he's not going to get your pims or any of the tough stuff. And and as far as the faceoffs go, he's always been fantastic at faceoffs. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, he also has some of the best fucking hands in the league. So, yeah, going five years, he's at 57.2% average. Like I said, I think uh, I think Ryan O'Reilly is a great player. I had him at number 10. You had him at 11. He is, he is pretty healthy. The last two years, he has missed one game in the last two years. In the last, what, six years, he's only missed... What about twenty one games, something like that? Twenty two? Eleven. Then another eleven, twenty two twenty two games, yeah. Hey, hey. In the look last at that. five years, yeah. Um so you, so you can yeah, count so on the he, guy. He's he's yeah, he's reliable. He's always gonna he's always gonna be out playing for you. His usage is always gonna be good. Yep. He is just like you were saying earlier, all these guys are gonna be first power play guys. He is going to automatically going to be first power play. He is going to be playing with some of the best players on that team. He is going to be playing 20-plus minutes a game. I'm all about Ryan O'Reilly. All I'm saying is do not stretch for him. If somebody else is going to stretch for him and take him in the first, second, or third round just because they saw they remember watching the playoffs because I know everybody was. If you're listening to this, you're watching the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. So like all those trophies, everybody's going to remember that shit. And he got, yeah, he got all those trophies and people are going to stretch for him. It's just going to happen. Don't let that be you. But if he, but if he is there in the fifth round, yeah, take him. So I like our top 10, man. There's a lot of disparity, but a lot of the same names. My number 10 is Tyler Sagan, who you have just one point higher, 80 points in 82 games, 27 power play points, 33 goals, 47 assists. 334 shots, which is good for fourth amongst forwards. Uh, that's at 9.9%, and his career average is 11.1. You know, being fourth in shots behind McKinnon, Patrick Kane, Ovechkin, that's great company. He's always got an insane amount of shots, and he shot below his career average. So you can expect maybe a little bump in goals next year, and he's so close to point per game. So you always know you're going to get a stellar year out of Sagan. you got to love the shots. The hits are close to a hit per game. Blocks are about a half a game. And then you put Pavelski on his line over Radilov or Sucarello. That's not bad. I think it does a little to bump his totals, but I think he can definitely get back to that over point-per-game pace. Uh, put that back on his resume for the first time since 15-16, where he had 73 and 72. And your number 10 was Ryan O'Reilly. We already went over that guy. Yeah. Um, your number 9, Sagan. Uh, my number 9, Jack Eichel. 
we already we talked about him. Um, so my number eight, your number seven, Sebastian Ajo. And it may be a little bit reactionary, but. Well, I don't know if it's super reactionary. Um, he is a damn healthy kid. Um, he has only missed four games in his entire career of three years. Don't get me wrong, it's only three years. But as far as a young guy that just acts and holds himself on ice, off ice as a veteran after three years, you have to have a lot of respect for that. Last year, he was up to over 20 minutes in ice time. He had 83 points, and that's 30 goals and 53 assists. His shooting percentage wasn't crazy. 12.3. His yeah. career average is a 12.6. He took 243 shots. He was, he's never taken less than 200. I'm thinking he is definitely another 30-goal scorer. That will not surprise me at all. I think that he could score 40 goals. I think he has the potential to score 40 goals. I'm not as sold on the Carolina Hurricanes as you are, which is odd because, well, they're right down the fucking road from me. (laughs) But I, I just don't think that he's playing with the type of talent that some of these other players are playing with. Uh, the people that I have above him are playing with some fucking crazy talent. His best linemate is Toivu Teravainen. Chances are he's going to be playing with Shvetsikov this year. So they lost Michael Furland, which is a huge fucking deal. He's going to be playing on a new team, and he's going to be what we're thinking is going to be on the first line with uh, with Pedersen and Besser. So him not being out there is going to make it so that, I mean, who's going to who's going to stand up for any of those guys? Teravainen? Mm, Ajo no. is not a fighter. Shvetsikov... Nope. Uh, let's just we saw say what happened. Yeah, he shouldn't be fighting. So I mean, but he will stand up though. I'm afraid that if they are getting pushed around on a big line, like say they're playing like a St. Louis, who is just filled with a bunch of fucking BFGs and just monsters, you know what I mean? They're gonna get pushed around. I'm worried about that kind of thing. They play a much more finesse game as far as hockey goes, much more the new hockey. So they're going to have to watch out for some of these old school teams. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Ajo. He is a really good fucking young player. At some point in time, he is going to really get paid. There's that offer sheet out on him. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. They're 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 going to match anything. Like They're going to pay him whatever they need to do. He is their golden goose. Just 100%. Um, it really, I think, depends on... What does Sveshnikov do? Yeah, he was supposed to, you know, kind of get rolling. His numbers are crazy. So if he, if he lives up to those expectations with Sveshnikov being a goal scorer and Ajo really good at – he's one of the more premier passers in the league, I think. I mean, that that's a recipe for success if I ever saw one. So, I mean, I get where you have him a little higher than I do. I have him at number seven. Where did you have him again? At like four? I have him at eight. I have him at eight. Oh, uh-huh, you have right? him at eight. Yeah, I'm sorry. So you, I thought you, you had him. I thought you had him higher than I did. Okay. Well, yeah. So eight and seven, I think, is is yeah, a perfect place to have him. Aho, def- honestly, he's a keeper. He is keeper status as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Super. Um, young. If I had him on my team, I would have no problem keeping him. He would be good to have on a dynasty league. Everything on any league you want on uh, Sebastian Aho. So the only thing that I have to say about him is. I don't trust Peter Mrazek, and we all know how if your goalie sucks, it kind of puts a damper on the confidence in the rest of the team. So maybe 
you know, maybe team scoring is down if if that is the way it happens. Or maybe Aho takes it on himself to try and score more so that he doesn't so that they're not losing games. But yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, as far as that goes, don't you think that that would maybe push them a little more, especially if they're playing from behind in some games that he would find it necessary to take shots a little more than usual? I'm just um, I'm that there would kind be of more onus, more onus on that first line. I know that one of their one of their big things is they really try to come out of games really quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. They always try to score that first goal. Obviously, who's not trying to score the first goal? But you know what I mean. Like they always come out of games really fast, and usually it's Sebastian Aho that is leading that charge. Um, so I had him at number seven. You had him at number eight. I like it. I'm I'm fine with uh, both of them there. Number seven, back on track here. Sorry, I had a draft in the Dynasty League. And I disagree. All right, so I have John Tavares at number seven. 88 points in 82 games, 19 power play points, 47 goals, 41 assists, 288, 286 shots at 16.4. This career average is 13.3. So 47 goals. Whoa. Career high shooting percentage. (laughs) Oh, okay. That makes sense. But... It is Toronto, and you're playing with, you know, hopefully Mitch Marner. Tavares is great in the dot, 54.6. He's definitely going to be playing with Mitch Marner. They have a really they oh, they do. They have a really good way of playing together along with Zach Hyman, who is The only reason I'm saying hopefully is because maybe Mitch Marner does that Nylander thing and holds out. But he ain't going to do it. They already said that they're not going to do it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not up to date on that. Um, but you're in Toronto. You're playing with Great line mates. The power play is still crazy good. And his even strength line mates are only going to be a year more familiar with each other. I think we're going to get another 80, 90 point season here. Nothing crazy, but I think it's going to be closer to 40 goals than 50. But the assists are going to balance it out. He's always been uh, a more assists than goals type of guy. This is his first season with more goals than assists. So you got to be high on Tavares. I mean, how can't you be? Toronto's a group of studs. You got a power play. It's one of the scariest on paper. Nothing looks bad here. These top 10 guys are pretty easy to explain because their names do most of the speaking for them. It's it's fucking John Tavares, man. You got to draft him. My problem is that you have someone like Braden Point higher than John Tavares. That's my problem. That's where I'm coming from. So I asked you before before we even started doing this, I said, so you'd rather have Braden Point than John Tavares. You very quickly said yes. I just... I just can't get past it. I had Brain Point all the way down at 18. Yeah. You have him at number six. Yeah. I'll, I'll defend myself. He's a second line guy. Do you want me to start talking about Point now? Yeah, let's fucking do it. All right. Let's, so let's I'll, start, do it. I'll start defending myself. Uh, 92 it. points in 79 games. A far cry from his previous yeah. career high. I want to see you do more than one season of really good play. I get, I get that. Okay, I'm sorry to dis. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. In our regression episode, we talked about his 21.5 shooting percentage last year, and his career That's average is 17, 17.2. Now yeah, I dug a little deeper. 21.5. Before that, before that, before this past year, his shooting percentage was an average of 14.8. Okay, so his oh. even strength shooting percentage. His even strength shooting percentage this year was 14.6. I'm sorry, what did you say his career average was before this year? 14.8. So 14.6 at even strength. 
that's not too far from his career average. What put his shooting percentage over was his league leading 20 power play goals on 51 shots. And you're playing on a power play with the league leader in power play assists, Nikita Kucherov. Victor Hedman was tied for 10th in power play assists. Stamkos was tied for 13th. That is a power play that is far and away the best in the league. So, yeah, the power play might take a dip. Might not be getting a 25% success rate. And Point might not have, you know, 39% shooting percentage on the power play. Like I said, 20 goals in 51 shots on the power play. His power play assists were pretty decent. It, it stayed state average from what he what he can produce. But I think if anyone can carry a dominant power play into next year, it's the fucking lightning. And I know we were harp, harping on point in the regression episode, and he still is. But I do want to stress that his 21 even strength goals, 36 even strength assists, that's 57 points at even strength. And maybe maybe he takes a bump and gets 25 power play points instead of 35. He's looking at 82 points in 82 games with upside for more. That's why I dig point. That's why he's in my top 10. His even strength numbers are great. Even strength production will not dip or shouldn't. But if the power play dips, and really, you got to ask yourself, who's going to be the best power play next year? If you don't have Tampa Bay in your top three, you can you can fuck right off. Braden Point's going to be a point-per-game guy, and hell, there's people out there that I've talked to that think Stamkos is going to move to wing, and if you have Stamkos, Point, no. and Kucherov, like, come on. Like, that, that you know, that's, that's way out of left field, but... No. Mike drop. Who are his line mates, TJ? Yanni Gord and like Tyler Johnson or some shit. But you, oh, yeah. sometimes okay. sometimes they put Kucherov down there with him. I, he played like half I, a year with Kucherov. And you have that you have that thirty five power play points. Who are his like line mates last? I'll look it up. I got Dabber right here. JT Miller. No. JT Miller was like third and fourth line. Wasn't on the second. Braden Point on Dauber's Frozen Tools. Most common line mates. Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Braden Point. Yanni Gord, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos. And Yanni Gord, Palat, and Point. Those are his during the first quarter. Second quarter, Tyler Johnson, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, most commonly used together. Second, third quarter, Tyler Johnson, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. Third quarter, Johnson, Nikita, Braden Point. So he spent three quarters of the year mostly playing with Nikita Kucherov because they did move Kucherov down to the second line for a while. And the fact that he played with Stamkos and Yanni Gord leads me to believe that either Point moved to the wing or Stamkos moved to the wing. Boom. DJ, I like, I like your argument. Boom. It's a very, very well-thought-out, lucid argument. <laughs> Emphasis on loose. I just... I got to see it more than once. That That's my fair only enough. thing. That's fair. I don't dislike this whole thing. I don't dislike Braden Point. Yeah. I can't put him at number six where I have somebody like Alexander Barkov because he's done it once. Alexander Barkov Bar- did it once. Alexander Barkov's a better player than Braden Point. I agree. That's Looks what like I'm saying. Bar- like, I trust Barkov more than Braden Point. Let's I transition trust- right into your number six. So Barkov had 96 points, which is an 18-point jump from his previous career high of 78, in which he had a 26-point jump from his year before that, where he had 52. Panthers also had the second-best power play in the league last year. The Panthers are going to be on fire this year. They have a, a 
mildly revamped team. Their top six is incredibly fucking stacked. You have the two people that he's been playing with. They have a yeah. hell of a lot of continuity between yeah. Barkov, Huberdu, and Dadnoff. They play incredibly well together because yeah. they play different types of games. That's what I love about that top line. Barkov is your is your down and dirty player that's in uh, that's in front of the net. Huberdu is your outside shot, and Dadnov is just the speedy motherfucker. So you're also going to have Mike Hoffman on that second line, Vinny Trocheck, Owen Tippett. So those three players are going to be like the people that you might be playing with on a bad day. I'm fucking fine. <laughs> those are, that's a lot of shots on that line, too. You know what I mean? And then you have Yandel, Ekblad, Strawman, and Matheson. I, I'm failing to see where there's a negative here on top of the fact that they now have Bobrovsky. They have the missing fucking piece. They have the missing piece. And it was the goalie. Because we all know how I feel about the goalie that has been there for quite some time. I won't even bring his name up because you probably already know who I'm going to say. He retired. It was time for him to go. Barkov is just a better player. He has proved it time and time again. I I can't even do a bet in uh, because... Because I, I was going to be like, it, who's going to score more points, Point or Barkov? But I have Barkov rated higher, too. So I think Barkov has an 80-point uh, floor at the very least. Barkov, yeah. Oh, for sure. At the very least. I'm thinking more like 85. Uh, point, I don't see breaking 90. I just don't see it. I, see, I, I, think he could get, I think he could get 80, no problem. But I don't see him breaking 90. I just uh, I trust Barkov more. I just do. yeah, that's why you, you had point just, a lot lower in your in your rankings. Um, it, it's just that I want to see it. I want to see him get the kind of time that he's gotten this past year. Like they're trusting him more, so I mean that tells me something. But he's still only he's not even at twenty minutes time on ice. Alexander Barkov is well above twenty. You know what I mean? He hasn't played well four yeah, years ago, three years ago. The... He was he was just under twenty, but in the past two years, he's been over twenty-two minutes time on ice. He is Usage used in every fucking situation. Like that's why I like a player like Barkov better than a player like Point. No, that's um, fair. I'll give it to you. I, I just, I just, I want to see more out of Point. Um, if this year he backs it up, I'm not going to say that I. I I wouldn't say that I was wrong, you know what I mean? Because it's not that I don't think that he can't do it. I just wanted to, I want to see it to believe it. Okay? And just yeah. seeing it one time, anybody can have a really good one season. A lot of players in the NHL can have a really good one season. It can all come together, and then it can all fall the fuck apart. I'm looking at line mates, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kucherov is not bad. All right, let's get let's get into our top five where we agree on number five. We agree on on a lot of these. It's just kind of where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have I have Stamkos. You got a problem with Stamkos? Where did Not you have him anyway? Five. Oh, we both have him at five. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. No, you should change it. I don't like us agreeing. <laughs> That's so. He had ninety eight points in eighty two games. He had a second in the league, forty power play points, second only to Kucherov. <laughs> 45 goals, 53 assists, 234 shots at 19.2, career average of 
moving from point to Samco's here, the Lightning are good. I'm going to echo what I said before. I don't know if the Lightning are going to have that crazy power play success this year, but Stamkos had they, 40 they have a power really good chance to. But if it, I mean, even if it doesn't happen, it's not going to be my like much. You know what I mean? Like instead of 40 power play points, 35 is not bad either. 45 goals does seem a bit higher than like I feel comfortable with with Stamkos, but it's still doable. He's had 60 goal seasons. Fuck, he can do it. I mean, he's only going into 29th year. You know what I mean? He's going to be 29. It's not like he he's a a solid veteran. It's not like he's incredibly old. He has been around for quite a while. That is true. He's been in the league since he was 18. Played all every season with uh, with Tampa Bay. I don't see him getting less usage. You talked mm-hmm. about possibly he could move to the wing. What, that was so just a, would, that was a crazy theory. He would move to the left wing on the on the top line. Yeah, yeah. Knock off like Palat, you know. Why? I like Andre Palat. I like Andre Palat on that on that left hand side. Palat like Stamp tops out is, at sixty points, where you could have three ninety point players playing together. That's crazy, yeah, and and that's not how you win a championship. You win a championship by having a good team, not a good top line. Yeah, it's just, it's just true. I mean, obviously, I know that we're not in the business of talking about winning championships unless it's in fantasy hockey. So, like, it's good for fantasy hockey if they're all on the same line because yeah. you would just go off and fucking 70% of the points would all be scored in that one line, if not more. Right, yeah. But I, I think he's fine at number five. I don't think he's going to get less time on ice. I love his I love his usage with Kucherov and Palat. His usage on that top that top power play which is fucking fire. There are very few weak points to this team in general. Um even their bottom 6 is pretty damn good. So Anthony Zarelli. All right. I man. love that kid. I love that kid, but what what I'm worried about with Anthony Zarelli is where is his path? Nowhere, dude. I guess you got to wait for, like, best case scenario, second line center when Stamkos retires in, you know, eight to ten years. Or if they get rid of point. Or if they trade him to another team. You know Yikes. what I mean? Yeah, that's a lot. But that's the thing. Where is where is his path? I love Anthony Sorelli. I think he is one of the best young players in the fucking league. But where is his path to the top six? It's hard to see. You have yeah, point unless Tam- he goes Stamkos in front of you. Yeah, unless he goes wing and takes Tyler Johnson's spot. Yeah. All right, my number four, your number three. Do you want to do your number four? Where it did my number four is Tavares. Oh, okay. I had Sidney Crosby at number four, which might come to, which might be a surprise to some people. Um, I, 100... I don't think so. I know, and it just seems like. I think it's time. You know. I had him at number three, but I think it's time. Yeah. He's We're going to start to second. see him dip a little bit. He's not number um, two anymore. 100 points in 79 games. That's crazy good. 29 power play points. Crazy good. 35 goals, 65 assists. You know, real rounded out season. 220 shots at 15.9. His career average is 14.6. So that's not scary, especially coming from a guy like Crosby. I still consider Crosby a top fantasy pick. But as you can see, I got three guys left to go. For, so Crosby, for the third year in a row, is dropping in our rankings. And... First, there was that, well, it could be McDavid or Crosby with the top overall pick. Now, 
a few more years, a few more crow's feet for Crosby, and he's still pumping out the points. He's showing no signs of slowing down whatsoever, but I think there's some young guns out there who are pushing for more. You're going to see them in my top three here. Uh, let's see what could make me look dumb as fuck here. Um, 220 shots. Crosby's lowest shot total in a full or mostly full season of his career. He's got great hits um, for an elite forward, a bit over a hit per game, and he's still awesome in the in the faceoff circle. 55% last year. Crosby's Crosby, man. He he, you know, he in all rights, he's one of the best in the game, and easily could be over 100 points next next year, but could also be an 80 point guy. It's less likely, but it could still happen. So I got Crosby. I think he'll still. I, I think he'll be. I think his floor is 85. Yeah. His floor is 85. His ceiling is 100. He's not going to go out and score 120 points again. But, yeah, I, I could 110. But at some point in time, time is going to win. Yeah. It is going to happen. What, 32? Sidney Crosby is going to retire as one of the greatest players to ever fucking play. As much as I hated Crosby back in the day, still don't like him, but I at least respect him a little more. He doesn't just start fights and let other people finish him. He actually... He'll get down if he fucking needs to, uh, which which I have a little more respect for. He's Sidney Crosby. He's still going to be top three in my book. You had him at number four, correct? But you were talking about there are players that are starting to come up that are going to retake that spot. You had Barkov higher than him. I had him at number six. I, I, I don't see him being over Crosby yet, but I think it's feasible in the future. As far as somebody that we both have at number two, it's Nathan McKinnon. Well, we're going to skip my number three real quick, which I think is also going to surprise some people. We already talked about Barkov at number six for you. Barkov at number three. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do. Um, What did you say? We talked about Barkov. Yeah, but I wanted to reiterate what I think about him and why he's a number three instead of a uh, instead of a number six. I'll do it. You know. Lower. He had 96 points in 82 games, 31 power play points on the second best power play in the league, 35 goals, 61 assists, 206 shots at 17 points, 17%. His career average is 13.7. So, yeah, his shooting percentage is a bit high. I'm not that worried. The Panthers overperformed on the power play, and that's kind of what did it. I think Barkov's easily got another 50 shots in the tank. So, even if his shooting percentage drops, more shots are going to balance that out. So, Barkov is 24 this year, or he will be, and very much in his prime. Prime, and I think prime of his career. A repeat is definitely on the way. He's not underrated anymore. For so long, people were like, oh, Barkov's the most underrated player in the in the league. Not anymore. No, not even close. Um, 61 blocks, 28 hits, 100 takeaways. So dude's a shoe-in for the Selkie this year. Um, he's a bing candidate, so you're not going to look here for your pims or like that kind of thing. But I think by year's end, Barkov is going to be where I have him in the top three center rank. So, yeah, it's a bit of a hot take, but I'm really confident on this one. And then two and one, man, we are like, it, it's not going to surprise anybody. McKinnon. Well, it might it might surprise some people um, that we have McKinnon in number two. Damn, is he good. And obviously, like, in, in all honesty, if you want to talk about the number one center in the league, uh, I'll just get off this call. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have much because to there's say. no there's no point in talking about Connor McDavid. However, yeah. Nathan McKinnon, man, he has just been pushing his way. He just won't let it go. He had a hell of a season. He backed up his 97 point season the year prior with a 99 point campaign this year. 
that tallied 41 goals and 58 assists. All he really did was get two more goals because he also had 58 assists the year prior. His line mates are fantastic. Obviously, they're Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Randman, who are also going to be on our list going forward for next week. I guarantee it. As far as his as far as his shooting percentage goes, not great, but that's because he takes a ridiculous fucking amount of shots. <laughs> TJ, he took 365 shots last year. That was top in the league. 65. He was best in the league. So um, how now, how soon is it before we start having the McKinnon or McDavid argument? You think next year we're gonna have that conversation? No. No. I, I as much as I hate to say it, McDavid is the best player in the league. I mean, unless Unless McKinnon really just starts to string together 100-point season after 100-point season, then no, I don't think that there is even a talk about it. Do you, you think, actually? I don't know. I think this year... Um, I hate McDavid. He's scored do you think McKinnon breaks points, 100? 108, then 116. Like, do you think McKinnon breaks 100 this year? I hope so. If he does, then that means Landiscog and Rantanen also stayed healthy. They yeah. all have to. They all have to be healthy for him to do that. That's the whole thing about McDavid. You don't need anybody else. True. You and oftentimes he doesn't else. have anybody that's, else. You can play with Ty Ratty, fucking, you know. That's the whole fucking thing. McDavid is playing with these fucking shit people on his team because he has a Dreisaitl, he has know. a crazy ridiculous. Yeah, I know. But for a while, Drysital was on his own line. Yeah. You know what I mean. And they have a shit team because Dreisaitl has such a fucking huge contract. And obviously, McDavid has such a huge contract. He's the best player in the league. Of course, he has a huge contract. So he plays with all of these shitty fucking people. As far as Nathan McKinnon, he doesn't have to. He has people around him. Andre Burakovsky, who I think is going to have, who is a possible sleeper this year. You know what I mean? He's going to be playing on that second line with Kadri and Yost. Like, they have a really good power play. I still think it's going to be Donskoy over Yost. Okay, I see that. And then Yost maybe a 3C. Okay, I see that. I don't think that we're going to have that conversation, is the moral of the story. No. I I do think, however, we're going to have a McKinnon-McDavid-Kucherov-Art Ross race this year. That would be fun. Yeah. Have them all, like, so close. That would be really fun, but we need to see full seasons out of all of them for that to happen. We just do. And I need him to get a better shooting percentage than a career average of 9.8. He does seem like that guy. His high was 13.7. I think he could be like a 14 type of guy, you know, going forward. Um, It it just feels like 11.2 was low for this year. If he he shoots at a 14 or a 15% clip. Yeah, that's 50 goals. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to see, you're going to see 110 points. I mean, it's no surprise to anybody. Connor McDavid is our number one. 116 points last year. 33 power Ridiculous. play points. 41 goals, 75 assists, 240 shots at 17.1%. His career average is 14.7. It's Connor McFucking David, man. He's going to be at the tops of the league again. He's worth a top one, two, or three pick. Um, a lot of people are going cooch this year over McDavid, but... I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I mean, he's still... If, if you pick him number one, nobody's going nobody's gonna to think you're stupid, so... Um, a lot of people have like Kucherov, Ovechkin, and McDavid kind of in he's that always, same breath for always number one. He's playing player. too. Like he is just incredible. He's an incredibly healthy player. He's going to be 23 this year. Mm. Come on. He's only getting better. Come on. I hate Connor McDavid, but Jesus <laughs> Christ, come on. 
All right, let's get into our honorable mentions now that we've rounded out the top 20. I had um I had a couple guys you mentioned, Sean Monahan, William Carlson, Jonathan Taze. Some of the ones that were kind of like oddballs. Uh, Elias Pettersson, I could see him, you know, building on what he did last year. He's going to have a left winger. Um, string beam. He does have a really long neck. Uh, Looks like so, I mean, you got Alien, on skates. Alien Pedersen and you got uh, Matthew Barzell and Vincent Trocek. Those are the three guys that I, I felt like were close but just didn't have what it takes to get into the top 20. Mar- uh, Matthew Barzell, he took a step back. You know, he wasn't going to double down on what he did with John Tavares uh, being the top line guy. And, and Trocek has taken like a 20 point hit since he's been barricaded from that top power play. So these are guys that are like just outside the top 20 for me, at least, you know, Monahan, Carlson, Taze, they probably been, would have been like 21, 22, 23. But yeah, just some guys I felt like deserve some airtime, but maybe not uh, being ranked. Well, as far as Trocek goes, I mean, let's be honest, he's not going to get that nod over Mike Hoffman. That's Mike Hoffman's bread and butter. He's a big reason why their power play was so fucking good last year. Mike Hoffman is not going off that top power play. However, um, depending on what kind of league you're in, maybe Trocek is in your top 20. We talked about it before. The kid is a banger. He is throwing his body around. He is going to be all over the place. Great for shots, great for hits. If we take a look at his numbers, just like you were saying, great for shots. Generally, he is going to be over 200. Last year, he was not, but that was because he was hurt. So he only had Power is pimps. He only had 158 uh, shots, but that was in 55 games. So if you extrapolate that out, that's well over 200. As far as his pims go, he was at 54 pims in 55 games. Yeah. Is that almost? Yeah, that's pretty good. A minute, a minute, a game. You know what I mean? Which, which is pretty crazy when you think <laughs> about it. But with all the peripherals, let's just stick with that 50, 55 games. Forty-two blocks in fifty-five games. One hundred and twelve hits in fifty-five games. Yeah, fifty-five takeaways in fifty-five games. He was having a hell of a year last year. But if you're not on the ice for what? That's 28 games. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna hurt you. 27, sorry. So, depending on what kind of league you're in, Trocek could very well be on that, be in that top 20, no doubt about it. And probably if he would have had another full healthy season like he did the prior two, he probably would have been on our list this year. Contract's not bad either. 5.25. It's pretty good. good. I, I like I like Vincent Trocek. You love Vincent Trocek. Yeah, I do. <clears throat> all right, man. That's all I got for today. So that's our top 20 centers. Um, feel free to yell at us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You can yell at us in the ratings and the reviews. But if you're going to rate, you know, maybe do five stars instead of one star and then do the yelling in the comments. Um, that's it for me, TJ. And Zachary Vogel will be back with you next week for some wingers. One stars would hurt my feelings. Yeah, yeah. Just because you don't like my my list doesn't mean I deserve one star. We work hard <laughs> on this. Yeah, we do. Well, so, at least TJ does. No, we both do, man. Definitely give us five stars if you're digging it. If not, um, maybe just yell at us on Twitter. That'll be that'll be a little bit nicer than one star. We're signing off, and we love you. Love you guys. 